What an awesome morning of worship. I appreciate you guys and appreciate y'all listening to me this morning and man, God's so good. Last time when I was up here, I was sharing with y'all what God was doing with me with, with rest and uh, I just felt like I wanted to, I've been studying a little more into that and just wanted to kind of go back and maybe slow down into the to the three points that I had shared about the entering, abiding, and releasing. So I was going to, this morning, talk about entering rest. And, uh, um, you know, the process of rest. And how many of people in here enjoy the process of life? Like, anybody? Anything, Lindsay and I were talking about this this morning. Or yesterday, there's something that she was going through, and it's like we don't we don't want to go through the process. We don't want to go through the things to get to where we want to be, and uh, and so there's a process in the kingdom in Him that there's an invitation for us to walk. It doesn't mean we He's He's not going to force us. And he's not going to make Tyler do something, but he's going to invite me into a place with him. And there's just some things in this um, process that I wanted to share with you all this morning that really is challenging me. Um, But in all this, to see the goodness of who the King of Kings is. And to realize that... uh, why Tyler has ever thought I can work my way through something. You know, we, we all know that. But how many times I find myself trying to work myself? Has anybody else been there? You know, you, you may know this, but you keep finding yourself trying to work things out. You keep finding yourself stirred in an area instead of letting God's rest come upon you. And so... Um, so in Hebrews, we'll go to Hebrews 4 and start with verse 1. And I'm going to kind of bounce around here in a second. Go and bear with me. But, uh. Four one it says, "Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it." So, I started going and kind of breaking down what what fear, what it meant in that place. Like what you know when he's saying saying that, what's he getting at and I may be the only person in here, but when I've read that verse before, I felt like I need to pay attention. But the more I read about what what I'm seeing, what he's talking about, I didn't see as serious as as he's trying to say. Am I the only person that kind of just read by that at times? Um, 
So I looked up this word fear, and it says to be alarmed in awe and reverence. And, uh, you know, to, to come to a place to, to start reading Scripture and studying the Word, there's a place in this process that we need, that Tyler needs to pay attention. Does that make sense? And realize how important this call to rest is. Like, um, in this work that he's already done for us, how important that it is. And um, I want y'all to go with me to Matthew 14, 26. So I think we read over this the week the week when I was up here last couple weeks ago. And so this is where Jesus is walking on the water. And starting in 22, it says, straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. So on that in that moment, reading this, for me, my rest is in Jesus, and I can say that all day long, but I keep finding myself struggling in certain areas of my life. I find myself trying to work things out. I, try my, I find myself, and so as Hebrews is referring back to in the Old Testament, the Israelites, and I began to study in in the Old Testament, what was going on, you know, as we all know, they were in bondage for over 400 years. And, and then here came Moses and the, the, the path it laid. And then, then you, he's trying to go to Pharaoh to, to free these people. And you come in all these plagues that he's asking for God's people to be freed. And he's going through all these things. And all the process it took to the 10th plague for his people to be freed. And then the process it took when they began to walk towards their promised land. And as they, as they start going, God provides miracle after miracle after miracle. And after a short moment, they keep looking back. They get into complaining, their, heart, their hearts get hardened. They go into a process the wrong direction. Is that right? Does that make sense? Like, is anybody in here gone? Allowed there? You're gonna go through a process. You're gonna you're gonna believe in something. Are you gonna have a heart of unbelief, or are you gonna have a heart to believe in the one in whom the Father sent? And so, sometimes that we allow circumstances, even though we've seen God perform and done things over and over and over. Um. 
It's like Lindsay and I, you know, when we were, <clears throat> the, the children were really young and we had no food. I've shared this with some of you guys and had no, nothing in the pantry out in the middle of nowhere. We were about an hour from the, from the Mexican border, had nothing. And somebody out of nowhere shows up and gives us a big wad of money, came two or three weeks later and does it again. And in that moment, you're just so thankful, right? But years down the road, you come and you find yourself to another circumstance. What am I going to do? Where's the money? The circumstance of jobs, the, the relationships. Has anybody been there? And all of a sudden, they, what they're remembering is, is they're looking at life in the normal of there's no way out of this, Right? But we forget to remember the miracles, the things that God did in us for where he's taking us because our minds get stuck on this natural world and realm instead of staying focused on Jesus, because that is where our rest relies is lazing is in him. And so, and so we can look at this old Testament and at the Israelites and go, you know, what were they thinking? But as I look in my life, I've done the same thing. And so I want, what I want is God to expose my heart. And he's been doing a lot of that lately, but it's not going to stop. Because to truly be in that place of rest, to truly be where I want to be in him, it's going to take peeling these layers. And as that song said a while ago, I want him to have all of my heart. I don't want him to have pieces. And... As it was opened up this morning, what Chad was saying about calling us to be uncomfortable in this process, it's going to take some uncomfortable things at times, and it's not going to seem right. It's not going to seem in our mind like I should be resting right now. And, uh, and so I wanted to go to another scripture in, uh, in Mark 444. Forty-one. I'm sorry. This morning, Billy was talking to me, and his head was turned one way because of his left ear, and my head was turned the other way because of my right ear, and we were trying to figure out what each other was saying. And then, before we got up here, my left ear started plugging up. I'm like, oh, "This thing's this isn't good." <laughs> So Mark uh, 4.35 going down, this is where Jesus calms the storm. And I'm just going to read verse 41. Or 40, after he, 39. And he rose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And in our circumstances in my life, when these storms arise, am I at rest in him? Am I, 
Am I entering into that place of, is my belief in him? Or is my, am I believing on the natural circumstances? Because the natural circumstances, if, we, if that's what we're focused on, then we're going to get disappointed. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, as we've heard, he doesn't promise us a smooth path. He promises us, he promises us him perseverance through these things that we may encounter in life. And uh, so back in um, Hebrews 4.1 on that, that first verse here. He says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. And and I was looking up this word enter and what that means. And I thought this was really neat for me. It says, arise, come in and go in through. And we've heard the, the phrase of going through the door of Jesus, right? So my place of rest is, is completely entering into him. My mindset, my mind, my will, my emotions. So what does that look like in our life? Like what, is that, what does that do for in my marriage, in my kids, in my job, in my realm of, that I live in? How do I enter that? How do I do that? What does it look like? What do I struggle with? You know, what do we struggle with today? And something that the, the Lord has really been putting on my heart is there's such a neat, just like they were sharing earlier about that revival that's going on. There's such an awesome thing that God's doing. Um, and to me, what I see in it is from what I heard, it began with this young guy's opening himself up, letting, exposing his heart openly and repenting openly. And from that, this is what I heard anyways. And that at that point is when things started happening. The very thing he probably didn't want to do. You know, he probably didn't want to go through that process. He didn't probably want to just open himself up. But when we do that, what an awesome reward there is in that. But uh, if you all go with me to Matthew 7, 7, 14. Therefore, all things whatsoever you should, you would that men should do to you, do ye even to them. For this is the law of the prophets. Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many thereby be which go in there. Because straight is the gate, narrows the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there find it. But that last part, that says, and few there find it. You know, this, this invitation is what the Lord was showing me is 
is going to be an invitation that not everybody's going to want to take the process. Not everybody's going to want to be willing. What, what does that take? It takes humility. It takes laying down our lives. It takes looking like nothing because he's everything. It's, it's literally glorifying Jesus. And he will share his glory with no man. So it has to truly, truly be all about him. And uh, I want to be, I want to be one of the few, not, not to be looked at. I don't mean it that way. I want to have my heart after him so much. I don't want um, a long time, of, a lot of time in my life, I've been a man pleaser and wanted the approval of man so bad that without realizing it, I made that an idol. Does that make sense? And so that was taking my eyes off of the one and only king. And so I began to work myself. What I did in my life was I worked myself to death, not to death, but I worked myself, not as hard as some people, but I worked myself quite a bit because I wanted the approval of somebody saying you did a good job. Has anybody else needed the approval of man? Um, what does that do to you when you do that? It takes everything in you out of glorifying the king and to glorifying a man. Because as we all know, men will um, let us down. No matter how great anybody is, because we're all human. When we're not, but if we keep our eyes on Jesus and we're in unified as a body together and this process and this place and stay in this place, enter into this place and stay there, then we'll give him all the glory. And... Uh, if y'all go with me to Mark 9, 24. So as we know, this is where the this boy, his dad came to the disciples and then they couldn't, they couldn't help him. And then on down here, and then Jesus walks up. And it says that straight away all the people when they beheld him were greatly amazed and running to him saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitudes answered and said, Master, I brought unto you thee my son, which hath the dumb spirit. And wheresoever ye taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth his teeth, pinneth away. And I spake to the disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer with you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. 
And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And then Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe, that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was one dead, inasmuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. You know, this has been a prayer of mine because there's situations that hit you. And if we'll just be honest and broken before the Lord, if we'll just be honest and go, Lord, I want to believe. I really want to believe in this situation. I'm in a process right now, and I don't see how this can happen. This situation looks dead. It looks gone. It looks like there's no life in this. But help my unbelief because I'm having trouble. That's what the Lord wants of us. He knows, he knows where we are. Why can't we just be honest? Why can't we just be open? Why can't we just fall on our face and go, Jesus, I want to be this, but I'm not this. Help me. You know what, how I see that in that moment with Jesus? I see him like sitting there, like tapping his foot. Just ask, man, just ask. And as soon as we ask, he's going to flood us and fill us. There's a situation I was reading in a story about Smith Wigglesworth. And it says these six men went in to pray for this dead person. And they left and nothing had happened. And they went back in. And they discussed something and went back in and they began to whisper Jesus. Nothing happened for a minute. And then as they kept whispering all together the name of Jesus, this person rose up. And Smith, well, Smith Wilsworth was challenging, you know, if we can just say the name of Jesus. It's not about what we do. It's not about saying the right prayer. It's not about doing the right thing. It's not about all these things. It's simply the name of Jesus. It's simply the King of Kings. That's where life is risen. That's where things are accomplished. Is, is, is in him and him alone. And the God just put this, I went to kind of research some of this and I went back into Hebrews 3, 13, if y'all want to turn there. And Am I the only one in here that's tried to do anything by myself? <laughs> How good does that work out normally? 
I've, I really have tried. And you know what I find myself? Wore out, broken down, and I break something. <laughs> May just be me, but it's what I'm getting at. There's never really a good result. So for us to be the kingdom God's called us to be in this united body, in this functional revolutionary-type people that's going to erupt this planet. Because why did God put us here? Did he put us here for our jobs? Did he put us here for entertainment? Did he put us here for anything other than to glorify the king? So if I'm doing anything that's not pointing my way to Jesus, then I'm not doing the right thing. Does that make sense? But in my mind, if I'm by myself, it's going to seem right to me. Does that make sense? So how important it is, I need you guys in my life. That's the only way I'm going to grow. The only way I'm going to grow into who he's called me to be. I can grow in certain ways but I'm only, when I, when I get broken and go, you know what? Lord, I can't believe the way I'm supposed to. I can't walk the way I'm supposed to. I can't do the things you call me to do like I'm supposed to. And I'm open with him. But not just with Jesus, when I'm open with my brothers, right? When I can be vulnerable with you guys and go, you know what? It's okay. Like, one thing I saw in this scripture where this man didn't believe, like, I don't know if anybody feels like this in here this morning, but I just felt this. It's okay if you find yourself, you're like, I just don't, I can't believe in this area. It's okay. It's okay to, to admit something. It's okay. That's where he wants us to be. But uh, in, in Hebrews 3.13, I kind of went, went back a little bit. And um, he starts in verse 7 as he works his way down through 15 about talking about the children of Israel and, and, and why they couldn't enter because of their unbelief and their hardness of heart and their complaining and all these things. But in uh, 12, it says, Take heed, therefore, lest there be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief and depart from the living God, but exhort one another daily what is called today, lest any of you... Be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. So I went back here in, uh, in 13 where it says exhort. And I just looked up this word, and it says to call in to Jesus. When, whenever you get by yourself, you're trying to do it all on your own. You're trying to hear things, and you're trying, and life gets confusing and everything. How safe does that feel? Does it feel safe to everybody, or is it just me that feels unsafe? You feel panicky, you feel like, I don't want to miss it. I want to do the right thing. God's places in order in our life for safety. And I don't know if any of y'all will understand this. I'll just feel like I need to share this. Like when I train horses, there's a three-step process. 
Number one, they got to stop their feet. If I don't control their hip, then the horse will hurt me, right? Runs, bucks off, panics, does anything. If I can stop his feet, there's safety, right? Well, God has a process to our lives. And when we try to get out of that process, we're inviting havoc on our life. And when God puts leadership, he puts, he puts people in positions to bring us safety. All we got to do is allow it. It, it. It's like this. It's an invitation. He's not telling us. He's not forcing us to do anything. He's inviting us in to a place with him that, that is safe. And, uh, and then on down here, this, the word sin in this place, I was looking back and it says to miss the mark. So how easy can that be in today's time frame? Like with what we're dealing with, with whether it's governmental issues or whatever that can be, how easy, easy is it to get our eyes off Jesus and to start focusing on what can be real frightening? That makes sense? Because if we're kingdom-minded and we're at rest in him, what, what's going to happen when we're there and this world starts getting going crazy? What's going to happen? We're going to get excited. What the enemy means for fear, God's going to take and do what's happening is cause this revival. He's going to cause a people to rise up and go, fear doesn't have me because that means my, my identity's in this world. But when my identity's in Jesus and him alone, then there's nothing holding me back. Then I'm going straight to him. And if we can all do that as a collective body, and that's why it's important to stay together, stay in community. There's a communal rest. It's not just a one person rest. There's a communal rest that'll fall on God's people. That'll fall on this, the house of God. And then when we are in the Shekinah glory of rest, it's hovering here. What's going to happen? It's going to explode. And there was just some, some things that I kind of was kind of looking at as I was studying this and some stories that I thought was pretty neat. Um, one other point I wanted to make on that... Uh, I'm missing the, I'm missing the mark. This, it goes down there to. Uh, it's back in the, four chapter four verse eleven. If I got anybody confused enough, bouncing back and forth. Sorry about that, but in Hebrews 4, 8, it says, For if Jesus had given them rest, then, they, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore rest for the people of God. For the rest he has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. 
Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And in this particular place where uh, he's talking about the unbelief, it is, um, it's referred to as, as rebellion. Um, you know, there's a place in my life where I found myself in rebellion in this way, but it, I would have, I didn't see it that way. Does that make sense? I didn't believe in who God said that Tyler was. All I believed was I couldn't work hard enough. I couldn't attain it. I couldn't, I couldn't do enough right. I, I wasn't good enough. You know, I stuttered as a young child, had to go to special ed classes, sat in the back of the room like I saw no good in me. Does that make sense? But there came a time in my life when God put me around the right leadership and the right people where God started building me and growing me. And I believe it was the sonship message Chad did two years ago. I think a year and a half ago. And the Lord felt like he told me to go on this fast. And, and at the end of this fast, I was 13 hours away. And Chad began to text me on the phone. And I was in there in this motel room all by myself. And the Holy Spirit hit me. And I was on my face weeping. I literally felt like Chad was laid his hands on me, praying over me, even though he wasn't there. He's 13 hours away. And what God was doing in me in that moment was giving me a revelation of what being a son is. Does that make sense? There was so much safety in that. I've lived so much turmoil and trying to work things, try to figure things out my whole life. But once I finally came to that place of realizing who I am, once you know who God said you are, once he's established something in you, don't let the enemy take that away. He's going to try really hard. And when he does, and if I willfully start believing that I'm of no value to the kingdom, then I find myself in this part of unbelief and I'm being rebellious. Does that make sense? So, and if that happens, it's, this, it's just simple. What God's doing with me right now is when God shows me something, just repent. And it was just this morning, I, I'm dealing with some livestock and I'm doing everything I can do and I'm driving down there at daylight this morning and my heart's just panicking. And the enemy's doing everything he can to get my mind on everything else. And I had to stop driving and just say, Lord Jesus, I repent. I need your help me. I don't, I'm having a hard time believing right now. I'm having a hard time trusting you. Because I know me, I'm, I'm not able to do it, but you are. And praise God, my identity is not in me. But it is in the King of Kings. Because I'm supposed to believe, right, on the one in whom the Father sent. Can't believe on my actions. Can't believe on what, what I can attain. But I believe on what he's already done. So I can cease from my work when I can do that. I can cease. You know... <clears throat> And that's something else I struggled with is knowing how to work and stay in the process of rest. 
I can, I can stay. My job is to take care of those animals, right? Would, it, would I be in the right kind of rest to sleep in, say God's got it, and go and leave? No. I wasn't being diligent with the things God's called me to do. But in the diligence, being at rest in Him. Does that make sense? Because I want my life to represent Jesus no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing. So this last week, a little testimony. Valentine's Day. I shared this with a man the other day. I'm in a hurry. My mind's not in rest. This is what you get when you're not rest, remember? Don't stay in the process. I'm running 90 miles an hour down the road. Not, not quite 90, but maybe close. My phone won't pick up the Bluetooth. I'm having to talk to Lindsay, and I look down, and I run into a mailbox. And Lindsay's new truck on Valentine's Day. To a neighbor, I didn't know if he was going to really like it or not. An older, older couple I hadn't really met. I just had this feeling this isn't going to go good. It ain't going to go good with my wife. It ain't going to go good with the neighbors. She was on the phone with me, and she, all she hears is the phone hit the floorboard, and she thought I flipped the truck. She's like, Tyler, Tyler. And I'm just, I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> I'm all right, but your truck's not, you know. <laughs> And so I had to give my wife an opportunity and a rest too, you know. <laughs> so I tried to find his number, couldn't find anybody that knew his number, couldn't, he was gone. So, I mean, I literally blew up the whole post, was flew, broken half, the mailbox, the mail was flying out. So I got his mail, had his mailbox, I went and put it on his front door. I got to deal with this all night the next night, you know, praying the next morning. And Lindsay's like, it's going to be all right. So they all went with me. We we're going to go buy him a mailbox. So I'll pull up to his house again. He had a brand new mailbox, a brand new post sitting right there at his front door. So I went and knocked on his door and he came to the door smiling. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> and Lindsay I want to say this. <clears throat> Chad's been teaching about the wives and submission. My wife had just been praying over favor, over blessings, speaking things over the situation. When she could be so mad at me at this point, she chose not to. She chose to build our house. Does that make sense? So I go in there and he's smiling. I said, Yes, sir, I, I'm the one that hits your mailbox. And he's like, okay, and keeps smiling. <laughs> I said, what? He said, I bought one right there. And I was like, okay. I said, what can I do? Can I pay for it? Oh, yeah, I'll come in here. And he gave me the receipt. And he said, here's the receipt. And I said, can I put it up? And he, he said, yeah, I appreciate it. And so we went and got all the stuff from the house. And well, he didn't want it where it was. He wanted to move back further from the road. So I had a rock bar. We were pulling out boulders. It took me half a day to dig this little post or this mailbox when I have 10 million other things I should be doing, right? 
But God was teaching me how to be at rest when I'm about the Father's business, right? So as they, his wife and him come out, they began to talk to us. And they were so blessed by Lindsay being out there and our children being All of them had a tool in their hand. All of them had a part of it. What the enemy wanted for destruction, God used for resurrection. And we, we, Lindsay got to talk to the wife, and God just restored, just healed the relationship. And just, it was just such an awesome thing. So in our, in our daily life, in our process, in our work, what's, what's going on? Don't allow the enemy to take you back to Egypt. Remember the good things he has done and he is doing in our lives. And if our, if our goal is the rest of God, if our goal is the true promised land, which is the kingdom, if that's our goal, none of, this, none of that will phase us. It won't affect us. It, won't, it can't touch us. Because I want to get a place in my walk with the Lord. If something was to happen in our nation and me serving the gospel is against the law, I want to be able to not be phased if I'm asked, who do you serve? I serve Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He holds my life in his hands. You can't touch me. Because I'm an eternal being living in time. When we can come to this place and rest... And we can come to, to this area. It don't just affect me. It'll affect you guys. Because when y'all are there, y'all affect me that way. Y'all are calling me. You're going to exhort me unto Jesus. Does that make sense? When we live such a way, we're going to call each other together to him. And so um, I, pray that, I pray that this is, has touched somebody in here. Um, and I just want us to ask ourselves, Lord, expose our hearts. You know, expose, Tyler, expose me. And if we all do this individually, Lord, expose me. There can't be one of us in here that has it all right. There's, there's some place, there's, and it may be little for some, it may be, mine probably looks like a boulder, you know, compared to some of y'all may just look real tiny, but... Expose those places in me so that it looks like you. And when I, can, when I can live this way, when I can enter this way, and I can be this way, I won't be caught up when you look back at um, Lot and his wife, and she looked back, right? God doesn't want us to look back from the things he brought us out of. He wants us to look into him. And it's so important. And when we find our, if, there, if we're good, we may have a brother that we see and he's starting to look back. He's starting to look, you know, and be tempted in some things. It's not to condemn him. It's to say, hey, man, I got your back. I love you. It's okay to feel like that. It's okay to be in that mindset. It's okay. But that's not where God wants you to stay. 
I'm going to help exhort you further to him. I'm going to help pick you up. As he said earlier, pick up your hands, pick up your feeble knees. Let's stand up and glorify the King of Kings together. And if we can do that as a body, it won't stop in this building. It'll just explode. It'll have a ripple effect in our communities, in our job places, in our homes. How do I do that with my wife? How do I stay at rest with my wife? How do I stay at rest with my children? And then how do I stay at rest in my workplace? You know, God is going to call us into workplaces that aren't always going to be Christian environments. But he's called us as light to shine Jesus in the realm that's dark. That's why we're here. But that's why we need each other to help exhort and keep it held each other up. But as you go in your workplace this week and something happens wrong, don't get stuck in your head on the wrong. Get, get stuck on the right. Get stuck on who Jesus is. And then as you live that life, maybe it'll call your coworker and go, man, I want to be like that. How does he act like that? How does he do that amongst this environment? How does he respond in love and not get mad at me? And that's the call of God I want to walk in. I want to accept that invitation in my life. More than anything, I want to be able to walk this thing out daily. I want y'all to be able to come to my house Monday through Saturday and see that I'm walking after Jesus amongst maybe a havoc week or a, a rough week because my identity doesn't lie on everything being perfect. My identity lies in the one that is perfect. So I just, just, uh, that's just what the Lord's put on my heart for this week. And I just pray that it, pray that it touched some of you guys. And, um, if y'all don't mind, I'll just, I'll pray real quick and, well, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this morning, and I thank you for who you are, and I thank you, Father God. I ask you to continually open my heart, Father, and that you truly expose all the pieces that don't look, smell, and look like you. And Father, I ask that for this body in the name of Jesus, that we all come to a place of rest in you, but being okay to be vulnerable. To be okay that if everything's not just right in, in us, that it's okay to have our brother help us. It's okay because that's what you've called this community. You've called the body for. You've called us here for each other. And we represent you by the love we have for each other. And as we're at rest in, in you, Lord, that we'll keep our eyes focused on you and we'll keep our eyes focused on our brothers and that will help exhort each other and keep our eyes, communal eyes and our, our own eyes lifted to the King of Kings. And we thank you.